Hello and welcome to an extra special, extra spectacular finale episode of Jade Empire here on Normandy FM. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, of course, as joined, as always, by Ken Shepard. How you doing this fine morning, this fine day? We made it. We did it. It didn't take us long. No, five episodes. Shortest season we've ever had. Is the shortest season, but one of the sweetest, thanks to the wonderful third guest that we've had on this season. Third guest, third chair, staple guest the whole season, Kihoon. How are you doing today? Oh, that's so nice of you to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Considering I'm I'm very late for today's uh, recording, I am so sorry. (laughs) No, don't worry. Hey, you didn't need to out yourself on the podcast. It's all good. Now everyone knows. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And for the first time ever on a finale episode, we have another guest, too. We have brought back the wonderful Andrew King. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Eric. I am wearing my favorite pair of socks to weather the Chicago cold, and I'm ready to discuss Jade Golem style. Ah, Jade Golem style. They were like, what if we put a mech in this video game? (laughs) You get to pilot a mech. (laughs) Honestly, there's no better way to play this game. What if we make God Mode one of the styles? (laughs) (laughs) I So I was going to ask you about this on the podcast. I reserved this strictly for the podcast because I thought you might know the answer to it. I, I was trying to figure this out, but I couldn't find any answers. So I thought maybe you would know. Do you only get the Jade Golem style if you do the certain like requirements within that Hitman level of a dungeon in uh, Chapter 3? Or is that just something you get no matter what happens in the story? I'm pretty sure you get it no matter what, just because... Really? I think, I think the only requirement was that you beat a Jade, Jade Golem. Golem. Yeah. Did all but four I... of us get it? Yeah. I didn't okay. use it because I'm, I'm, I'm not a scrub that has to <laughs> scum the whole process. Huh. Wow. 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 Shots fired. Can't believe you do this to me on the podcast. You can't Uh, believe us. Yeah, so, I mean, I I forget if we talked about this last week, but um, we hit a point with Jade Empire where we were, like, getting into the endgame, and I remember Ken messaged me and was like, hey, uh, the endgame's a lot shorter than you think it is. (laughs) So, uh, we've rapidly adjusted. So today we will be covering both chapters six and seven uh because honestly it's they're very quick they're very short like i think seven might actually be the shortest chapter in the game it's right up there with four like they're both about the same length right Um, it depends on how many times you lose to master lee i guess at the at the end and we'll get there don't worry (laughs) we'll get there um but of course before we get started Andrew, for the folks at home who might not remember from your last appearance, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then tell us a little bit about your relationship with Jade Empire. All right. I am a freelance uh, games journalist. You might have read me at GameSpot, where I have done a lot of reviews. I did Spelunky 2 for them. I did Serious Sam 4 for them. I did Doom uh, Eternal, the first DLC for that game, and I've done some features for them as well. Um, or you might know me from Polygon, where I have done um, some guides. I was most recently doing guides on where to find all the shortcuts in Hitman. So you can, if you like the Jade Empire Hitman level, you can go look at my guide <laughs> and find all the shortcuts in real Hitman. Um, 
And uh, my relationship with Jade Empire is that I is you know I I think last time I was on the show I talked about how Anthem was the first Bioware game that I ever finished. <gasps> And mm-hmm. so, uh, since then, I have been in the process of going back and, you know, trying to fill out my, uh, you know, fill in my Bioware knowledge with all the all the missing pieces. And so, in that time, you know, I've, I played Dragon Age Origins with you guys. Um, I played Neverwinter Nights to review that, the, the Switch port for Bloody Disgusting. I did a game club of my own on KOTOR. Um, yeah, so I... I didn't have a ton of um, Bioware familiarity before the past couple of years, but I've played KOTOR now, which I think is the most um, obvious parallel to this game because in this, mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, this feels like a budget or abbreviated version of KOTOR where mm-hmm. it, it's like, you know, KOTOR has like, you know, seven planets that are all about the same size as the Imperial city, you know, with as many quests and, and stuff. And in Jade Empire, it's sort of, you know, condenses all of that stuff down to Tien's Landing, which is, like, the size of, like, three different KOTOR planets smushed together in terms yeah. of all the stuff you're doing yeah. there, you know, and then the Imperial City. Um, so, yeah, it has been an interesting experience going through Jade Empire for me and seeing, you know, Bioware attempt to do something similar to KOTOR after the success of KOTOR and, you know, the ways they... This game is sort of experimental in some ways and also, like see the ways that this sort of falls short of how good KOTOR is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I had I really had no experience with it. I'd seen, like, I'd probably seen the, you know, the review or ads for it in, like, a Game Informer or something back in the day or, <laughs> like, you know, seen the case at, like, um, you know, at the store or maybe seen it on my friend's shelf because I never had an Xbox growing up, so I might have seen it and been jealous that they had this cool martial arts game. Um, but yeah, first experience with Jade Empire and, you know, mixed feelings about it, but I would say mostly positive-ish. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the structure because that was like the first thing I wanted to address before we even got into the actual content of Chapter 6 was just, I don't know if we've talked a lot about it at this point or, or, or talked enough, but we can certainly talk holistically at this point about it. Um, the structure of this game is just wacky. Like, the way that the first half of the game, essentially chapters one through three, which that feels weird in a seven-chapter game to say, like, that's the first half of the game, but it's got that sort of Bioware hub world thing going on where you're going to different areas, and you've got these sort of different side quests to do, and and different characters to talk to, and there there are a lot of characters that they establish early in Twin Rivers and, and Tien's Landing that are just kind of very specific to those areas, but it builds out like this large world. And then the second you get to chapter four, it's just on the rails. I'd almost compare it to like Final Fantasy XV, mm-hmm. where the first half of that game is just really open and it like it might be the first half, you know, chapter wise, but it's really more like sixty to seventy percent of your playtime. And then you get to the end game and then the second you get on that train and literally in final fantasy 15 uh, the second you get on that train uh it's just we're going to the end game now and we're going to stick you on this rail and shoot you down (laughs) to get there right um ken how did you kind of feel about the structure of this game by the time you got to the end of it i think what it most signaled to me was that like 
like we talked about even last week, like kind of despite the fact that it does get very linear, very fast, I did enjoy a lot more of the storytelling in the latter half, and it made me feel like a lot of this just felt very underutilized, and I felt like kind of disappointed that like by that point I was into the game and I was like really into where we mm. what, this, this world to an extent, despite all its problems, and just like now that I'm invested, you put me on like the most narrow path that you can possibly give me. And it just made me feel a little, just like, you know, it, it felt very underserved by that point. And it was, that was disappointing in its own way. Kihun, did you have any thoughts about kind of the way that it, it, it does this sort of like first half side quests and all that. And then last half, very more structured, rigid. Yeah. I, I was thinking like, you know, the first half of the game, it's like, it is very obvious that they wanted to, you know, like kind of set the world and make you like you know be a, a little more in touch about what the you know world building and you know what 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 this world is about and those the second half they kind of just like you know rush it through and i would say it's rushing it through it's just that they they really like focused on mm. you know telling the main quest and uh to be quite honest i i would i personally would rather have a game that is a lot more focused on the story that they want to tell I think that mm. I think that Jade Empire suffers from that slightly in the sense that they don't it, it feels like two parts of uh, like it, it feels like it's a game that's made out of two parts the first half yeah. is you know the the side quest stuff and then the second half is like oh the main quest stuff and as I mentioned in earlier episodes the first half of the game, the the the, the main the main quest, the storyline, like it is not that fantastic, and it's I mean to me, it, I find it kind of like stale, and I actually mm-hmm. enjoyed the side quest a lot more. So, uh, how do I feel about? I I feel that um you know the developers deciding to like oh let's just focus on the main quest for the last few chapters. I I thought that was a much, like the game definitely to me improved. Um, from the second half of the uh, from the second half onwards, yeah. Even though like like the first half of the game, they have like really interesting side quests. But at the end of the day, it's nice to know that they kind of end the main quest, like like you know, m- keep it so focused that it actually has a nice. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Like like, there's a nice rhythm to it, and it ends nicely. Oh, yeah, I just yeah. I just wish that they you know they they they. They'll stick to one way of telling this story is either the first half where they decide to make it more open world in that sense, or the second mm-hmm. half where they decide to kind of just focus on the main quest. It like I said, it feels like two two different game styles kind of stitched together and mm. you know, becoming one game which is Jade Empire, which Yeah. Basically that, yeah. Yeah, I would love to read a um you know, what happened with Jade Empire, you know, style report of like how this game was made and whether it was like you know two different like it it is bioware trying to figure out how do we combine what we are known for which is you know these party-based rpgs with like a you know more straightforward more cinematic like action focused campaign Mm. Mm -hmm. and i i wonder if it was like a, a contrasting visions or if like the game was you know bigger originally which is why you get you know like a dozen followers Mm. and then like have very little time to interact with them after Mm. 
after mm. they join your party. Like, I would love to know what the story is behind this and if it is, like, this is the vision that they were going for or if there were budgetary constraints or, like, you know, timing constraints that held it back from being a bigger, uh, you know, game with more um, time where you could, you know, focus on those companions that you get. Yeah, and that, that feels... Sorry, I mean... That, that feels like a very Bioware um, 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 thing, right? Especially with yeah, Kotor. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the first half of the game, it's... I mean, I, I love the Kotor series. And it... But but they always suffer from this thing where they have to kind of rush through and finish the, the, the last half of the game or something. It's mm-hmm. it's a Bioware problem, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say, is that, like, I, I do feel like that's always been a thing with bioware is that at some point you know they need to put you on the rails to the end game i mean that's game design in general at some point you need to shepherd the player haha shepherd uh (laughs) into uh what the end game is going to be and how you do it and how neatly you do it you know i think in games like mass effect 2 they hide those those gears a little bit better and they they obfuscate it a little bit more Whereas, like, here, especially with, like, Jade Empire, I, I didn't feel like there was much warning going into Chapter 4 right. that, like, hey, you uh, might want to settle up some business before you go do this thing, because as far as I remember, I don't think past Chapter 4, like, once you get into Chapter 4, there's a way to really go back and do right. any of the side quests that you wanted to do or anything like that. There's really very little warning outside of them being, like, hey uh we gotta go storm the palace now you might want to be prepared to do that but you know i think at this point we're kind of used to video games sending you this big blaring message that's like end game time right. <laughs> settle your i almost wonder how people are going to react to mass effect 2 in the legendary edition with that because there are like ramifications for going to the uh, end game mission quote unquote late and like there's that Kotaku article recently where somebody who has never played Mass Effect 2 and also managed to stay away from learning anything about Mass Effect 2 discovered what those ramifications were and was like oh my god I can't believe this happened I lost like half my crew and I was like yeah didn't ev- I thought everybody knew that yeah. stuff but no there's there's people out there going to lose some folks on that on that suicide mission yeah, I might need to take a look at that article before I play the Legendary Edition when it comes No, out. no, you go in blind. You go in blind. <laughs> you, you go in blinds. Unless um, you're Eric, who looks up guides. Well, because I've done it before, though. That's I, That I, doesn't help. What? I, uh, Eric look. cheats. Hmm. <laughs> Whatever. Um... Speaking of cheating, Jay Golem form. Let's, <laughs> that's, um, so let, let's talk a little bit about what the actual story content for this, this section is. So chapter six, we have come back to life. We are restored to our original form. Sadly, we no longer have that sick spectral form. I missed my, my white spectral hair. It was awesome. I felt really mm. cool. And I was sad that that disappeared. I felt awesome. But uh, our friends are back. They fly in on the flyer and we get to run up to them after fighting more ghosts by the way they're just kind of like chilling and are like hey we didn't get raptured you gotta kick <laughs> our butts to, to rapture us now but uh we run up to our pals at the camp and they all greet us um and 
yeah, we're back. We're back to life, and we all get a little dialogue, and I'm laughing because <laughs> of Ken's note here that you get some, I quote, Disney princess bullshit here, Ken. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, there, I, I came up like totally ready to give them like, the normal like, yeah, I'm back. The water dragon brought me back to life, but then there was, I saw an option that says I came back for Sky, and I was like, yes, give me that <laughs> Disney princess bullshit. I, I I gotta be honest, maybe this is because of just how short this game is and how fast it launches you into the romance stuff, which we've already talked about, but again, at this point, you know, you with Sky, myself with Silk Fox, at this point, like, Silk Fox was just being like, oh, you know, the love of my life, I'm so glad you're back, mm. and I was like... I've known you for like two days. You need to you need to calm down a little bit. <laughs> this right. is a little much. Um, Very unearned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and, the. Oh, what were you gonna say, Eric? No, you go ahead, Andrew. I was just gonna say that um, that's one of the consequences of like the structure of this game is that it right. seems like all the romance is mm-hmm. concentrated in chapter three, and mm-hmm. then there's the payoff right here. It's like if you don't right. get in there and like date in chapter three. Like, you're going to be alone at this point, and that is what happened to me. I had a very platonic return to my friends. I was going to say, speaking of being alone, Kihun, you did not have Dawnstar here, right? Yeah, because... You have fully yeah. rejected Dawnstar. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, let's concentrate on this. And she's like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I did not have the Disney princess stuff. <laughs> oh, good. Honestly, you didn't miss much because both Ken and I got a fade to black, which is like, <laughs> like, <sighs> so yeah, that is something like I guess worth bringing up. So you, there's no like sex scene like there is like in Mass Effect Dragon Age, but there is like a kiss, and in the same sex relationships, they fade to black before that any contact actually happens, which is Aww. like fucked up, and also like cowardice, and also like. Why? I just, like, you already went through all like, these different steps, especially, like, in the, in the Sky relationship, to kind of, like, obfuscate that these things are even in the game. Like, by that point, do you think anyone's going to have mistakenly gotten to the point where they're going to have a gay kiss and that they don't want to see that? Like, I... I like, who is the fade-out for? Like, I don't... Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the game's already rated M, so, like, if there was, like, rating issues that they thought they were going to run into... This game is rated M? Well, yeah, have you not seen, like, the people, like, literally float into chunks? <laughs> I, that, maybe I'm just so desensitized at this point. You know, I've played Mortal Kombat 10 and all that, but, like, I I see that stuff and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that, that screams T rating to me these days. I don't know. The, uh, maybe we are desensitized uh, as a culture, a, but... A fun story of 16 years ago, it's like, this is around the time when my mother started paying attention to games that I was playing, and was like, oh, I have to be like very vigilant about them playing M-rated games, or they might turn out to be like violent people. I'm five foot three. I can, I'm incapable of violence. <laughs> um, and so I like had to show her the demo of Jane Empire, and I was like very careful to use uh, like styles and attacks that I knew would not result in the weird Dragon Age 2 like body explosion thing. And so, yeah, by the time I got to that point, I had, uh, I was, like, aware of, like, how frequently that was going to happen, but I was also, like, very careful when I was showing my mother, just so I could still actually get the game. Mm. We we had this conversation recently. Uh, I had it with, with some other folks uh, last night uh, about what 
the first video game you ever played was and they were shocked when i was like well i can't really remember because i was like really little i would have been like three or four honestly just sitting on somebody's lap playing Mm -hmm. on a super nintendo but i'm betting it was either super mario world or mortal kombat it was one of those two (laughs) and they were like oh my god mortal kombat and i was like i was like three or four i didn't know what was happening on the screen (laughs) like i have no contextual basis for what is happening there it's fine whatever who cares that's the that's the version of mortal kombat with gray sweat instead of blood too isn't it uh the super nintendo version i yeah again i was like so little i can the, the first game i i have cognitive memory of myself playing is sonic the hedgehog I, I remember playing that when i was like extremely little but i know there are pictures of me playing like duck hunt and super mario world mm. on my on my dad's lap and all that mm. so um but i was literally like too tiny to hold the little gun zapper up and all that. <laughs> it was cute i was raised from a young age to be a hashtag gamer mm. <laughs> um man that's weird m rating because they don't they don't really show you that on or you have to go looking for it on steam so i didn't even realize that that was that oh, that's wild um yeah so we don't really get a quote-unquote sex scene or whatever we just get a kiss but we get that after we have talked to all of our companions and found out that the imperial army is on its way because master lee has sensed our return from death and so death's hand and the entire this dude you know for the master glorious strategist uh really throws everything and the kitchen sink at one chance to kill you which Mm -hmm. seems a little ridiculous because they're like yeah the whole imperial army is marching to dirge right now and oh there's one bridge that they can get across and there's flyers but the flyers are being held back by really bad winds so they like landing for them is not really uh a solution either so uh your your wonderful inventor friend is like why don't we just blow the bridge up and you're like yeah that sounds great (laughs) um but before we get to that, we have like a dream sequence with Master Lee where he brings back the spirits of our friends who perished in Twin Rivers. We have to send their spirits back to the underworld, which is maybe one of the most bizarre moments in this game. Because, like, did anyone else have that feeling? This is like a weird moment because you like fight the, the souls of your dead friends. And they're all like, you let us die. I can't believe you did this to us. And then the second you beat them up and they like f- fade into the underworld, they're like, never mind, you're actually pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, I was like, wait, really? That's what they're going with? Like you punch them in the face enough. You're like, no, you're actually pretty all right. <laughs> never mind, I was wrong. <laughs> like, it was, I, I don't know. Maybe this is just me and maybe this is just appealing to the dumb gamer rot brain in my mind but i thought that was hilarious that they were writing this dialogue and they're like we should have your friend's spirits be totally pissed at you but then when you beat them they'll be like actually nah you're a cool guy you're all right you're all right you're good um see i lost to them so i never saw that because if you lose the fight oh you can actually lose the fight yeah yeah and then masterly is like see i told you i will defeat you so and and then it just moves on i i watched I watched a Let's Play after finishing this, and just to refresh my memory, because I finished the game, like, on Monday, 
Um, and yeah, yeah. Regardless of if you win or lose, if you win, he's just like, ah, you won, but that was just a dream. And if you lose, he's like, see, you <laughs> lost, and it's just a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it being a dream is it matters when it's convenient, right? Yeah, it's it's not Inception rules. If you lose in the dream, you don't lose in real life, <laughs> right? Uh, um. But yeah, so we get through that. We wake up alone in our beds, no matter what, uh, because, again, Bioware just doesn't want our protagonist to be having any good times before the final fight. Yeah. <sighs> Cowards. But <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we go outside. First of all, Sky just decides to be like, I'm going to scout ahead, and then gets like stabbed while he's doing it. <laughs> so he comes back injured um respect this guy uh and then we decide to blow the bridge and we get into our big end game uh final battle where we're running between different areas and trying to hold out and this was this was kind of cool for me because um so we have to destroy the bridge we have to like hold the courtyard where the flyers are going to come in because they're basically like oh, the Imperial Army is super pissed off, so they're going to try to land everyone anyways, and even if, you know, 90% of them die attempting to land, 10% might still land, and those numbers are good enough for <laughs> Master Lee, the glorious strategist. <laughs> he's, he's fine with those numbers. Um, and uh, then uh, Sky is going to hold out way back at the at the temple, so in this bridge section we actually get to play as a different character i got to play a silk fox uh i don't did any of y'all play as dawn star at all yeah yeah i did okay yeah it was, uh, a, it was a weird moment because like they kind of don't explain to you because like who you play as depends on a dialogue option you take and it mm-hmm. doesn't really explain to you that you were picking who you were going to play as so like, not that it really made much of a difference because I, I was playing silk fox as well and it was like you either like basically who you as the player character tell to kind of like take the other person yeah is what determines who you play as and it was kind of like weird like not really explaining the ramifications of like something as simple as a dialogue option because like at first i I thought like that was like a means of being like petty and annoying like oh like siding with somebody and i was like i I don't fucking know i was just yeah, yeah that's what thing. I was going to say. I was like, we're turning Dawnstar and Silk Fox on each other one last time before the end of this game. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. They they do have a cool little thing where they're like, by the way, now that the magic is back in this place, there's a chest nearby where you could find a super secret special weapon if you went looking for it, which is like literally just you walk five feet to the left and the chest is right there, but I got a super sick blade for silk fox that actually made this whole bridge segment really easy because i just Mm. kind of i ended up pushing them back so far that i was all the way to the right and i had to wait for enemies to register because it also does this thing where instead of being in a normal battlefield you're kind of in this top down side scrolling view Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. enemies kind of you know filter onto the bridge one by one while um why am I suddenly forgetting this? Kang? Kang, yeah. the inventor? Uh, while Kang is setting up the various explosives that will take out the bridge and you have to defend them. And uh, 
enemies would like shuffle in on the right hand side and then take a second to kind of register as being on the bridge and part of this you know game that we were playing so i'd be standing there just waiting for them to like turn into enemies that i could hit and mm. then like wallop on them with a one hit you know three hit combo and then just wait again and and do that over and over and over again i, I didn't find this section challenging at all whatsoever i did uh, Kihun, did you have any trouble with this section at all? No, not really. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it was weird. It, I mean, Kihun's it's, it's... the most prepared, having done all the side quests and stuff. Right. So yeah, like, like there was there was actually a, a separate side quest that I think we we didn't really talk mm-hmm. much about, which is the one about finding that that there is this mysterious uh, lab that that's in the sky that you are supposed to find. Yeah, basically, I did all the side quests because, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I just want to do that, and I I, I think. I yeah I I think maybe because the 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 the, the lab the, the the special lab side quests thing actually does improve your your stats uh your your your, your stats quite mm. quite a lot mm-hmm. so I think that really helped in you know um dealing with this um side scroller um segment of this game yeah but mm-hmm. I didn't yeah I I I didn't have much issues with with this part at all <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it was it wasn't challenging, but it was like weirdly cumbersome. Like the way, that, like we're saying, like, like the lock on doesn't really work the same way it's supposed to. Yeah, when you're in a standard like a standard fight, just because like they have this side scrolling beat 'em up setup going on, and that was just like the the more frustrating thing to me. It's like the, the actual fights weren't challenging, or like the, you know the objectives yeah. that I had to get, but like just the framing of the shot and the way that the camera systems of this game work did, were not working together at that point. So and maybe that's just like. That I, I wonder if like that they did anything to kind of improve some of that stuff on like the PC version after like that many years removed because mm. it was like very very weirdly cumbersome on it. No, it was it's it's the same on PC. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that that's kind of leads to my larger point because after this, there's a section where you go to the courtyard and then you play as Black Whirlwind. Oh, love it! Fantastic. Yeah. You, you play as Black Whirlwind. And then Henpecked Ho is like tossing out wine casks for you to stay uh, drunk and happy and healthy uh, as you fight. And I was sitting there playing the section. I was like, oh, this is so awesome. I get to finally play as all my party members. Like, it really felt mm. like that was the moment where I was like, right, I have this whole party that I've been putting together. And it really hasn't felt like it's been a cohesive... I mean, that's like a classic Bioware problem, right? How do you feel like you have a giant party when it feels like the game is always adjusting to the fact that you can only really have your companions present at any given time? And they've done various things over the years to try and change that up. You know, Dragon Age Origins had the way that you split the party uh, in the endgame battle is really Mm. interesting. And then other games have even done sections where you have all the party members, like... For all its faults, I will say that Greedfall did that one thing right, where at the very end of the game, you have your entire party with you as you do mm. the end game battle. And I was like, this is sick. This is awesome. Like, I, it is reflecting the fact that I've built this core of excellent fighters that are all working together with me. And that was this section for me. I was going like, yes, this is awesome. I finally get to play as all these characters mm. and really see how they all fight and participate. And then the actual sections that were starring them just felt underwhelming. And also, Sky didn't get one. That was kind of a bummer. Like, Sky doesn't really get to shine here. Um, yeah. well, he has, like, a, he has like, 
like a character moment, but he's not in. The yeah, play. yeah. I was, I was, I was hoping for you, Ken. I was holding out for you <laughs> that, that you would get your your Sky moment. Instead, yeah. um, Sky moment ends up being that we finally, after we get through the two character action parts with Black Whirlwind and either Silk Fox or Dawnstar. Uh, we take control of our main character again and go all the way back to the main dirge temple that we were revived at. Sky is hanging out there. He had been ringing the bell for some reason, and so we're like, oh, better check that out, figure out what's going on. And turns out that's a signal because Sky has secretly made a deal with Death's Hand and the Lotus Assassins, but he is double-crossing them to help you, um, which... Again, and, and this is maybe showing my my ignorance about some of this stuff, but uh, is there is there a chance here that he actually does betray you and does not work with you? Is that a thing? I don't think so. And that was what was weird to me because like I because I, I thought like this was like one of those things where like you know by getting to like a certain point in the in like his friendship or relationship path, you kind of like flip the switch and like he is going to side with you and be on your team. And so I just just went looking and. It doesn't look like there's a way for him to actually turn against you, which kind of like I don't know. Like I, I mean, I I like that it speaks to his character to not be like a double crossing dick, but also like why frame it that way in the first place if there's not going to be like a way for it to go wrong or like a way for it to not like a way for him to actually like do the thing. Because like like the conversation you have, he like talks about like how like, oh you've showed him that his life is on the point mm-hmm. as he thought because like he's. A person who has like lost everything that he's ever had, and uh, I mean, maybe like the knowledge that it is like you know, it was Death Hand and his associates that were the reason that his family uh, was lost originally. Maybe that is like enough. Like maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be about us specifically, like our relationship to him. Just like the knowledge that he would be working with the people that uh, resulted in the death of the family. I don't know. It's a little bit of a missed opportunity there, but maybe like the story that they've written does not support any alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just didn't feel it. like you said this was a weird moment where it felt like they were establishing that there could be a potential alternative, and then all of a sudden they were like, "Ah, oh, never mind." Like it's 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 yeah. never it's all good. Like no matter which way you go, he's always going to help you out. He's going to drop the the ceiling on the other Lotus assassins. So that way, when Death's Hand arrives, you get the one-on-one that you want with him. Um, and that, I, I don't know, that's, that's that's maybe a little bit of a bummer. Not a big bummer, but a little bit of a bummer. Um, yeah, there, there are a few moments in this game where it seems like you might have driven or might have the possibility to drive somebody away with your actions, and then it is just part of, like, the scripted path that they have to follow. Mm-hmm. Like Sagacious Zoo, I I was thinking, oh, he's yeah. he's mad because I am doing this thing with the Lotus Assassins, but that's just that's the only decision that he can make is to you know do this thing where he sneaks into the Lotus Assassin you know headquarters, and the thing with um, you know Sky seems similar. Like I wonder if at some point there was you know more there, or they planned on having like the possibility for these characters to turn against you because right. Otherwise, it, it just seems like a weird trend that sort of runs through this game. That, like, it, there's, like, gestures towards party members being able to leave or betray you, but it never actually goes that far. Mm. Unless you make a decision that we're going to get to later. 
that oh. you people that do turn against you. Oh, is it like the final decision of the game? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll get there, because I'm actually okay. a little unfamiliar with what Ken is talking about, so mm-hmm. that will be important. Um, okay. But we finally get to fight Death's Hand, which was... That was actually... It was not the hardest fight that we, we've we done here. It's not actually not even as hard as the fight that uh, we're, we're going to get to in a second, but I did find surprisingly challenging was what Death's Hand had some moves. Uh, mm-hmm. And... You know, I tried to be tried to be a good boy. I tried to to do my best to stay honorable, to fight honorable, and then uh, halfway through, I just turned into a Jay Gold and smacked him. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's too much fun. They can't just give you this form. Um, Ken, you you fought honorably without the Jade Golem. How how did you feel about the the Death's Hand boss fight? He did not touch me once. Wow, Damn. this guy. Gotta be jumping around at all times. Use use the staff so you got a little bit of range on him. Mm. Kihun, did you have any trouble? Were you also just a martial yeah. arts master, untouchable? Yeah, I'm <laughs> untouchable. <laughs> yeah, it was it was not as it was not as difficult as as you know they hype him up to be. So, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you, if you're Jay Golem, it doesn't matter if they touch you. <laughs> you're gonna touch him back. It's gonna hurt a lot more for them. It's gonna hurt for you. <laughs> Did you? Are you guys all playing on um, controller? Yes, I okay. I am on PC. Um, I am as well. Okay, I'm using mouse and keyboard. Yeah, same. And, uh, okay, yeah, and I I'm wondering how big of a difference that sort of makes in your playstyle because with mouse and keyboard, like me and Kihun have access to like ten fighting styles right. at once. And I was watching the the you know the footage of like somebody else play with the controller, and it's like there are at max four at your disposal, right? At least on the screen. Did you guys find that like when you were playing with controller, you were sticking mostly to, you know, did you was there like a, is there an easy way to swap out the styles like in the middle of a fight, or are you sort of stuck with what you start the fight with? You can You're... you can pause at any point and like switch them out, but also that is like. That, that I think kind of was the reason that I ended up sticking with only about like three, like four or five styles throughout the whole game was just because like it was simpler for me to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be able to switch between those and also just like dump levels into them and just like kind of like really uh, specialize and stuff. Yeah. And it, like, and if you have like hotkeys for like ten styles at once, then maybe that's you know, maybe it, it maybe it's more efficient and just easier to really. You know, use the breadth of everything you're given, but just for me, I was just like, I'm just gonna use my staff and when use, like, mm-hmm. th- like one of each type of style and just kind of stick with them. Yeah, that was an issue that I found Bioware had with Dragon Age Origins on console as well. Uh, I didn't like playing certain stuff on 360 because it just didn't feel good to use mm-hmm. those characters. I think I even had the same problem when I first played Dragon Age Two. Uh, it wasn't until Inquisition that I really felt good playing a mage because I just didn't feel like they had mastered the the controller aspect of all those different spells at the same time. Right. Um, whereas, like with mouse and keyboard, playing through both Dragon Age and Mass Effect, having access to all those abilities at the same time and not having to like constantly pause and pull up a radial menu, but having like instant hotkeys and things like that, um, really 
really makes a difference. Though I will say by the time it got to like Mass Effect 2, I was kind of missing the... Um, you can like set it up to where just tapping your power button would be one of your moves. Or, or you could have like one button shortcuts for some of your biotic moves and all that in, in Mass Effect 2. And I was missing some of that because you can't really do that on mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, it's with, with Jade Empire. It was a little frustrating to to have it be like, oh yeah, you can only use these four moves if you're on controller. But at the same time, I can't imagine trying to do some of the movement stuff in this game, like the dashing and all that, on a mouse and keyboard. I mm-hmm. feel like that would just feel bizarre. I'm sure I'd probably get used to it eventually, but. Um, even even on controller, it felt clunky. I couldn't imagine doing it on a keyboard. It's just it's it's the double tap on the controller as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which still feels really bad, but. Right. <laughs> uh, I would imagine if they did that game nowadays, they would have figured out either have a button that is dedicated to your dash, so you'd have to do like press I don't know L one while you're holding right to do a right dash or whatever. Um, or just map it to like your right stick because mm-hmm. you're not really moving the camera around when you're in combat anyways so right <sighs> yeah uh, but the really the really interesting fight is once we have defeated death's hand take down death's hand we've done it master Lee just appears as a ghost I guess <laughs> to, to be like oh, you think you've won, but Death's Hand is better than that. Uh, and he raises uh, his brother from the dead again to fight us again. But hey, guess what? We're Spirit Monk. We can do that sort of thing too. And we we basically like pull the spirit of the, the dead brother out of the Death's Hand armor to fight the armor? Um... Yeah, that's I what's guess. happening. It's it's Sun Hen, right? You're 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 playing as Sun Hen to fight the armor. Yeah. Okay. And I was a little confused as well. Is it is it Sun Sun Ken? I believe Sun Ken. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sun Ken. Because was it Sun? It's Sun High. Sun High was the the Emperor. Uh, Sun Lee was the Glorious Strategist, and Sun Ken was Desan. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. That was the part where I was like, wait, if you pull the soul out of the armor, doesn't the armor just stop being, like, it's just armor at that point, right? But no, apparently it's got some, like, movement in it still, and you need to encapsulate that internal struggle. Uh, And that fight was actually pretty hard, because it was like, hey, here's this character that you don't know how to fight as, now fight the the end game boss that you were just fighting as this random character. And I almost got wiped by this. Uh, I don't know if y'all had similar issues or not. I think I might have had the opposite. I think I might have had a harder time on Death Sand because I, I definitely didn't have to. I definitely didn't lose here because I think you would have to do both fights again. Oh yeah, I was Oof. very concerned about that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I definitely didn't have to do both fights again, but I think I probably did have to fight Death Hand or Death Hand more than once. Uh, Kihun, did you have any issues with either of these fights? No, I I. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I I don't. I I really don't particularly think that. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Um. 
after the, the, the previous fight where we, we fought ourselves in, in the previous chapter, I think the, f- mm-hmm. the fights from, from there onwards weren't like particularly um, challenging for me. So I don't really mm. remember much of this part, to be honest. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even the end game, the final boss fight? The final boss fight we, was interesting, but mm, honestly, we, I still we won't f- burn that content yet. Yeah, we, we haven't. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that will come later. But uh, no, not really. Like the previous one, when you fought like three copies of yourself, that yeah, one was harder for was... me. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm gonna turn in my gamer license now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, we 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 then win, and Lee takes off, and we can either at this point. Free, uh, free the brother from the the grasp of the armor. Let him go into the afterlife, or we can be a dick and keep him around as a party member. Keep him bound to the armor. Uh, I'm assuming all of us here did the right thing. Correct. We're not total dicks. Yeah, but I think yeah, we. I... I... Yeah, sorry. Oh, I you can you can go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. So I, I did read that if you actually keep him a- around, which is actually pretty cool, and if you're still like uh, a good guy at the end, his ending was pretty interesting. You know hmm. the whole epilogue yeah. thing. Yeah, that was what I read, but I don't yeah, see. Like it, mm. uh, I I was just gonna say like it, it is framed as like the closed fist option here, but if you are a person that is open palm. It's it, like it, the the character does have like a slightly different uh sort of tone by the end of the game. It, like it's not yeah like you know servitude. It's just more like he has like a second chance at life. Yeah. Mm. Huh. Interesting, but I I I I I can't see I can't see anything that would justify keeping him bounded to the armor. Like you know, on a on a on a scale of morality, it, this is. This is just a terrible thing to do to keep him around. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they, they frame it as like, oh, you might need his help to defeat the Emperor and all that. But, mm. I mean, you really only have, past this part, one section where you would have a companion with you. And you would think most people at this point would just want, you know, like their chosen companion of choice or whatever along for the one last ride and all that. But, um, huh. It's weird. Um, it's weird to think do, about. Do any of y'all know who the other party member... So when I finished the game, I had two empty party spots at the bottom of the screen. Do any of y'all know who the other uh, one is? One of them... Like, obviously one of them is definitely... I think the other one is actually... um. Abbott? Abbott's song? Or... No. Or no, 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 no. There's there's a thing with the girl, isn't there? Yeah, with, with Wildflower, where she can have one of two... Like, she, she's the host of one of two things. Largely depending on your uh, your morality, which uh, was uh, okay. a weird thing that we can get into when we get to the actual uh, like the parting words with everybody, because something weird happened with me there that we can. That we'll talk okay. About yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm interested to hear about that because I knew that she had a branching point at some point too, but I never ran into it, so I assumed that I just like either missed it or maybe that was a change that happened at some point. But, um, anyways, so we put to rest. We're, we're the open palm open palm gang uh and we walk out you know we've won you know a single bridge has thwarted an army of golems 
and we beat up all the dummies dumb enough to fly into our temple and so the imperial army was just like okay my our world will turn around now sorry building bridges is difficult <laughs> we're just gonna leave now <laughs> uh but we've got a I, I mean, we, we do also get, like, this weird... I forgot to mention that there is, like, a weird cutscene at some point, I think, where the golems just kind of stop fighting. Is that is that in this, or is that in the end of the game? I forget. There's, like, a weird cutscene where the the golems just kind of stop fighting. Well, I mean, there is a point where, like, the whole thing with the sand happens, and, like, his once his influence is gone, like, the golems stop, the all the soldiers... Yeah. Like, 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 once his influence is gone, the fight stops. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, look, that's, like, that's, like, Hollywood movie stuff. But, right. you know, that's, it's not like this game has given us any reason to expect any different. But mm. <laughs> I, I suddenly had that image flash back into my mind, and I was like, oh, right, that was kind of weird. Um, but, you know, Lee is still out there. He's still dra- uh, draining the water dragon. We've got to go take care of him. Uh, and by extension, take care of the task that the water dragon has put before us so we get one last opportunity here to talk to everyone before we fly off uh to the final battle in chapter seven uh you know for me it was i felt like this all was kind of like not not unearned not underwhelming but it was it did make me realize how little time i have spent with Mm -hmm. all of my companions because for most of the game as soon as I got Silk Fox, Silk Fox was always my companion. Um, and before that, it was just Sagacious Zoo and Dawnstar. Uh, and then, like, I, you know, I guess I could have spent more time with, you know, like Henpecked Ho or, or Black Whirlwind and stuff like that. But I never felt like the game gave me reason to. Right. And I was just kind of sitting there at the end, like, you know, it is cool some of the stuff they do with the followers and the way they have different fighting styles and the way they change the way you play dramatically, but also having one single follower and right. honestly very comparatively small amounts of time that you spend with your followers. Like, there are multiple chapters in this game where you are completely by yourself, and I just felt like I just spent very little time with these people and they were all like, Oh, I can't believe we've changed so much in the time I've known <laughs> you. And like, you know me for like a week max. <laughs> like, This is like, you know, this is like summer camp relationship. This is not like life changing relationship that's happening right, right now. Yeah. Right. And even, even when you like, there are several chapters as well where like characters just won't have conversations with you because like they're like right. oh we, get, we need to stay focused on what's going on I'm like, okay mm-hmm. cool i you say that every time i speak to you and we're at the camp and <laughs> it's like, okay right i enjoyed my conversation with him because he says uh that he misses his wife shouting and finds it melodious after being around all the noise that we make mm-hmm. so it was like growth for the wife guy and and Bekto still undefeated, still the best. Uh, Kihun, did you have any like companion conversations you enjoyed here? Hmm. No. <laughs> I <laughs> I don't um I don't particularly remember anything. I'm sorry. Not not this part. No. It, was, it wasn't particularly memorable for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like they're all like fairly box standard. Like yeah. Uh, you know they're like this is our final goodbye. Like it's been an honor to like work with you. This like that's yeah. fine. Whatever. But like I don't know. Like it, like what like you were saying. Okay. It it really just underlines how little time we've actually spent with people. And yeah. Uh, the one one of them, the wildflower conversation that was weird to me was that she talked about. The uh, the conflict between like the two demons and her that like as if it had happened and like I had, like I did not touch that that plot line and I had like mm. it's not, I I knew it was coming so like I was waiting for it but like I never never got to that point and so like, it was like they all like it, it's like they didn't have the the conversations written or like programmed in to account for like different levels of relationship that you might have had with any of these characters depending on like quest lines and stuff. Because it just, like, all of them talked about, like, it helped them with their problems. Like, friend, you have been vibing at the campfire while Sky <laughs> and I went on, like, a, like these dates this whole time. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, there is there's this really huge disconnect because, like, like and it's throughout the entire game as well where you will be, you will be maybe sticking to one companion and, you know, mm. just, just duking it out for everything. And then Dawn Star can come to you and she's like, oh, do you see that quest that we did? It was so painful. Mm. And I was like, you're just here. It's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> you're just chilling at the campsite. You, 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 didn't, yeah. you didn't really do much, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mm. kind of odd. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think later Bioware games actually, um, like, they... they 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 tend to they 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 get a lot better at you know like 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 making you feel that your companions are a much bigger part of the game than mm-hmm. Jade Empire did like I think Mass Effect did a pretty good yeah. job of it, um but yeah. yeah Jade Empire I I think it's probably because it's one of the earlier Bioware games it right. it's still finding its it's still finding its path in a way right yeah. Especially, like, it just feels like a limit of the game's format as well. Just like, like we said, like you only have one companion at a time, and there's not like really a hub like the Normandy or like the Dra- mm. or Dragon Age campsite or Skyhold, where you're constantly like coming back to these people and like seeing them set up in ways where like they're having relationships with each other beyond like, mm-hmm. like the weird thing with like Silfox and Dawnstar hating each other because they're both women that are in proximity of each other. And this is a, a game from 2005, and like. It, it, it is, like, kind of a shame, because, like, I... And it's, it's kind of what I... My, what has been my rapping feeling on the game, that we'll talk more through as we get, go through the episode, but, like, a lot of these characters and just, like, this world just feels very underserved, and... Yeah. Maybe that is, like, a result of us coming to this game so much later after we've gone through all of Mass Effect and all of Dragon Age and, like, seeing, mm. like, the things that were not here, but, like, they did, like the understandings that Bioware did not have yet of why people care about their games and care about... Uh, the characters. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh, talking about interesting companions, right, I actually do think that, um, yeah, I think Wildflower is actually pretty interesting. But, mm. again, we don't really get to hear much from her. I'm, and, and not the demons that are, or, or whatever beings that are occupying her body, like, but herself. I think, right. yeah, I think learning and talking to her and learning more about what she's doing, it's like, I mean, I think that that is pretty interesting. But, the game didn't really give her enough, like, there really isn't that much opportunities for you to actually get to know more about her. And honestly, the dialogue options that you have with her are kind of, yeah, they're kind of stale. Like, you're, you're just talking about, like, um, you know, uh, 
it's, it's just very ordinary. You're not really talking about anything super interesting. Right. Yeah. It, it makes me wonder if this game, they intended for you to just, like, like from the outset, they wanted you to just play it multiple times over to see all that different stuff because it it is like a relatively short game. I think I clocked somewhere around like 12 hours or so by the time I finished this game. And I was like, huh, you know, that's a little bit longer than my Mass Effect 1 playthrough, but not by much. And honestly, like, it it seems like it's generally meant, especially with the how fast the second half of the game goes, to be played over multiple times. And, you know, like right. this time... This time through, I'm going to only hang out with Henpak Toe and find out about him and his wife, mm-hmm. <laughs> his relationship with his wife. But um, yeah, it it just does make me wonder if maybe that was the in- intention or maybe the unintended intention, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think like the idea of like replaying RPGs to like see all the different paths is not really a modern idea in the way because like right. now you get like these 60 hour rpgs that they want you to like live in every single empty space and kind of mm-hmm. like see everything in like one really extremely long playthrough where replayability was like more of a factor back then where like games were meant to be played more than once and like so you could see all these things and maybe like the game being short made it more like it made it more easy to do that with jade empire like it is not like it's like in theory like three playthroughs of jade empire would take about as long as like a modern bioware rpg would take mm-hmm. months like so maybe that is like just like limitations like like rearing their ugly head there and uh if they can't like naturally weave all of this into one playthrough, they make it like they lean into that replayability in a way that they don't do now necessarily yeah well, we get to one part of the game where replayability doesn't really matter because we're on rails at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going into the final assault, chapter seven, the big finale. Uh, we touch down at the same old entrance that Silk Fox showed us last time. Uh, Kang, of course, is staying behind. and It seems like they build up everybody else coming with you and fighting with you and then you get into a couple fights with just yourself and your chosen companion as like the forward party and then once you all gather up again you immediately split again <laughs> so want want for that idea but um we we get told that the water dragon needs to show us something before we confront masterly obviously we know that we need to deal with the water dragon before we deal with masterly and uh as our party goes on a romp through the castle just getting up to all kinds of hijinks um we head downstairs and we find the water dragon uh which is real it's the actual big ass dragon i think at this point up till now i was like oh you know water dragon is just kind of this general you know like idea it's conceptual it's not really no no it's actually a dragon that's just a big ass mm-hmm. dragon down in the basement that we've got um and once we're down there we find that she's been like essentially bleeding like they're bleeding her to make water uh their reasoning is kind of slim here where they're like uh 
you know, whatever bleeds that isn't blood is water because water is life or something. I don't know. Did y'all like generally glean any meaning from this part? <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of shocking to see the dragon up there and alive. But um, how do y'all feel about like the actual like, hey, here's a water dragon. So like, to, to clarify, there, this is not really like it's a plot line that is brought up, but it's not really like lingered on in the way I think it needs to be. When the Emperor was, like, going to, like, take the power of the Water Dragon, it was because there was a drought that was happening across the Jade Empire that was... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and... We haven't talked about that since, like, the first episode. <laughs> yeah, and so the idea, like, was that he was using the Water Dragon's power to, like, save the Jade Empire. And mm-hmm. she... The Water Dragon kind of, like, explains that, like, nature was taking its course, and maybe that meant that the Jade Empire was not going to be a thing that was going to survive mm-hmm. that um and so like i think when they do that they're trying to like kind of give like a sort of like moral standing to the things that the emperor has done which again like it's not lingered on in the way that it needs to be but in doing so like he, he took all the power for himself and also like the water dragon is like the symbol of rebirth so like that is why all the spirits are lingering in the jade empire universe because like they can't move on because the water dragon is not there to help them move on um yeah right so Oh, I was just going to say, and the Water Dragon also explains that the Jade Empire prospering in this way is causing other lands outside of the Jade Empire to be, um, you yeah. know, going through going through their own drought. She says the Jade Empire is green, but elsewhere another land goes thirsty. All things are linked. Right. Yeah, it's that, like, Tales of Symphonia thing where it's like, for one side to be prospering like there has to be a balance there has to be a scale that means that the other side is not right tales of symphonia maybe that will be our next norm of the fm playthrough (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah ken's right it's important to set that like framing up and like you were saying it does kind of lend something interesting to what this is where I feel like last minute they're like, oh, we should probably justify why the Emperor did this so it doesn't seem like he's just totally power hungry and wanted to be immortal and all that. But like, hey, there might have been actual reasons for him to want to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, the game then immediately hands you this option of, hey, you know, if the Emperor could siphon off the Water Dragon's energy and become a god... And if Master Lee could use the amulet's energy and siphon off the power and become a god, you totally could do that too if you wanted to. So we don't necessarily need to kill this water dragon when we could totally just be siphoning off its power and becoming a god ourselves. And I feel like that just kind of takes the legs out in a way. I mean, I think it's supposed to represent this idea that, like, hey, you know this is how this is the slippery slope this is how it happens like you start out with good intentions and then eventually you're like oh well you know this would also make it easier because then i could just be a god emperor and make everything okay myself and that's kind of that closed fist idea of is it though i will well i mean that's the idea i mean it could even conceivably be open palm because that was the way back at the beginning of the game when they set it up they're like okay so closed fist thinks that they can solve everything by just beating people up and being selfish, right? And so by being selfish, your own best interests will always be served. And so that 
that lines up with that. Like if I become a God, then I'll be doing great. And that's great for me. So that works from my perspective. And then open palm is the opposite where it's like, you are selfless, but that means you're interjecting into everyone else's business all the time, even in cases where you probably shouldn't be. And eventually becoming this authoritarian figure, imposing your will on everyone and making the decisions yourself. And that's, kind of its own slippery slope downwards and so i almost saw where they were going with this and maybe i'm just lending too much credit to to the writing and reading more into it than there actually is but they also just kind of like you know take the legs out from under it by suddenly being like oh yeah by the way you could totally do the thing that has been bad too and you could be the bad guy like i feel this is them falling into light side dark side again right and And that was like it was like way back in the first episode like that was like my feeling like listening to the way that smiling mountain described open palm and closed fist like i'm just like but knowing this was later in the game it was like this is not i don't buy like the the grades that they are trying to paint into this picture because that to me feels like the full-blown like dark side sith lord ending to like see that like this this god has been suffering for years at this point and you have all your friends here who are like this is, this is like an abomination like we need to do the right by this and like i mean i guess we can say now like if you do end up doing that you have certain characters that just turn against you like again you will you will have to kill them like i know in fact oh i think black whirlwind as well i think the like the love interest trio can be on your side if you have romance them and you have uh like ch- kind of change their their viewpoints on things i don't know like it just like for all, like, the grades that, like, this game wants to be in the systems it has, it doesn't... I don't think it ever meets that, like, really, uh, meets itself in the middle there, because, like, you take... I think if you, you do this decision, you immediately get switched to close fifth, like, like full-blown. That is where you're, like, your, uh, the bar on, like, the menu goes to. Like, you... It just kind of undoes all of your, uh, mm. open palm stuff. And, like, when you... And, like, we even talked about this back in, like, Mass Effect 2. Like, when you have a binary in, like, your morality system that you want to paint as gray, but, like, you also either, one, like, actively hinder a player's progress by, like, when they don't fully commit to one side, I think you kind of, like... That's that's not gray. That is, like, you have made the ones and zeros of your system very apparent. And I just don't, like... I also just don't get, like... Maybe it's like that the the, the, uh, the the issue is brought up like at the, you know the eleventh hour like I just don't get what how anyone gets to this entire game is like you know what it like it never works for anybody but it might work for me. It's I I think the thing and I'm gonna toss it off to to Kihun in a second because I'm interested to hear your thoughts as well but I, I think the thing for me that Bioware it, not not to suddenly turn this into like the problem with Bioware in general but. <laughs> Um, honestly, one of the things I've just noticed as we talked about this and even as stories have come out over the years is that I feel it's sometimes really hard for anyone to make an evil option or a renegade option that doesn't feel like you are intentionally making a choice to play an evil character. And I know like that sounds weird to be like, it's hard to get people to want to role play as an evil person, but I think it genuinely is. (laughs) because when people play an rpg they want to be the hero they want to be the good person they want to do good in the world and when given the option they will largely choose to be the good person rather than the bad person and 
If not, well, I feel yeah. like you are often then setting out to say, like, I'm going to do a Renegade playthrough. I'm going to do a closed fist playthrough. And well, mm. it's like an intentional choice. Kihun, how, how did you feel about this, this point where we're at with suddenly being offered the chance to steal water dragon god powers? Mm, I mean, firstly, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I mean... There really isn't a, um, there really is an incentive to play as a terrible person to to play as a terrible person. It's it's, I mean, Bioware morality is usually very, is is very binary. You know, like it's it's you're either good or you're either either terrible, and there reason. I mean, it's not really known for you know asking you to make really moral decisions that have you, you know, up all night and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, for, for me, when it comes to the whole water dragon thing, it, it was, it was, you know, like, when you're given the choice to kind of, you know, continue to siphon her power and basically, like, you know, be the bad person for the sake of the greater good, you know, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it was, it was... At least in the game, it was framed as something that was really terrible because everybody was just telling you that, you know, suddenly who is doing this, it's like he's, it is terrible for him to do this. So it is not, to me, it didn't feel so much like, you know, this is a moral dilemma that I have to, I have to really, like, you know, think really deeply about. So yeah, again, at the end of the day, you know, Jade Empire has a very, it's a very simplistic. I, I still think that it has quite a simplistic uh, take on morality, which, mm-hmm. again, you know, it's it's a bioware issue. <laughs> like mm-hmm. the yeah. I yeah I think the only game that I really f- feel that makes me really think about you know what's the right or wrong thing to do, is again, yeah Fallout New Vegas because it's yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I mean that is so good yeah but and maybe like uh. Maybe like Witcher Tree. I love Witcher Tree as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but no, not not in this case. And again, not just for Jade, Jade Empire. So not for, for not for Kotor as well. And even for Mass Effect, it is, yeah, it's still pretty much like you know, if you're if you're a good person, then you know you do good things. It's it's very obvious to you what the heroic, uh, choice is. And I guess that's why most people would like go for that rather than you know being the bad person because honestly i don't think anybody is that you know like nobody just does things to fuck fuck shit up because mm-hmm. you are you are evil or you know you you say things like like oh you're lower than me and i don't want to listen to your things like that people don't usually intentionally say that it just doesn't sound like a human thing to say usually when you know, when we do bad things, it's really because of, like, you know, certain things that are, like, maybe because of very personal reasons or personal beliefs. And, yeah, in and again, in, in, in Jade Empire, you don't really, you don't really get that sort of feeling because you, firstly, you're not that close to your companions, sadly. Um, you're not really that attached to the world. So, yeah, they really didn't feel like that's that huge stakes. Like, I think over the years, Bioware actually did a, did, you know, did this whole companion thing, and you know, making sure and making you feel that you have a place in this world. Like they, they definitely improved that by a lot when 
they did KOTOR and they did Mass Effect, so yeah. As the local Renegade player here, I kind of want to fight against, like, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> to me, where where like the difference between something like Jade Empire and like Mass Effect is like the <clears throat> decisions in Mass Effect, like the Renegade uh, decisions, are not typically like power plays. They are more like about like a level of like say efficiency to like getting a mission done or a mm. like de- determining what you think is like what costs you think are worth it to accomplish something. I don't feel like, except in cases like maybe like the Samara choice or. Mm. Uh, you know, things of that nature, like, the, the Renegade errs too much on the path of, like, outright evil. Mm. Like, it is defined in, like, a Paragon Renegade binary, but it is, like, that was the point where I feel like the graves that Jade Empire is, like, you know, posturing that it has actually came, like, came to fruition in a meaningful way, because I don't, you know, maybe there are choices that I regret in the grand, like, by the time I finished the trilogy, but, like, I don't, I never felt like my Commander Shepard was an evil person, like, in, like, the, like, the D&D alignment of evil. Like, I felt oh. like he was he had, like, a certain set of principles and, you know, a, mm. a kind of underlining, like, mission statement as to what he wanted. But it did not often result in, like, things that I consider outright morally detestable. Mm. Um, and but, I think that's why... Huh? Uh, sorry, no, no, you finish your thought. I would say, and I think that's why there's fewer instances in that series of characters that, like, turn against you. Like, it, because, there's like, one, there's, like, you know, a hierarchy, like, a chain of command, but, like, Short of like say Rex in Mass Effect One or some of the some of the the issues that happen in Mass Effect Three, uh, you don't have a lot of like outward conflict in ways that like result in people leaving your party or trying to like actively kill Shepard. Um, so I don't think like when you say like it is hard to get somebody to want to role play as an evil person, I think yes that is true, but I think when they're like when it successfully can pull off the grades that they are attempting to make in Jade Empire. I think I think it like successfully paints a picture of a character that can be renegade or quote unquote the the dark side evil closed fist character without it coming off as like these weird like like things like the water dragon or like even like you know depending on how you go about it like uh, death hand like how you handle death hand like if you keep him bound to the armor uh, just like I don't. I don't know if, like, if quote-unquote binary choices in games are the problem. It's just, like, presenting them in ways that allow you to comfortably exist within both of them instead of, like, having to make you commit to, like, one and punishing you for not doing so. Well, and, and not to make this the the Mass Effect podcast, how dare Normandy <laughs> become the Mass Effect podcast, but um, I think the important distinction to make here is that Jade Empire ties open palm closed fist into everything you do like even major story choices have like like death's hand have open palm closed fist related to it like it's tied in as like this is the way of life people walk down certain paths that will be reflected in the way you do things uh in mass effects i think we even talked about this at the time paragon renegade ends up kind of being like a flavor of your shepherd but it exists separately from a lot of the major story choices you do. It's not like, like curing the genophage or not curing the genophage is not inherently a renegade or paragon action. It's just a story choice. And then paragon renegade, I, I feel especially by the end of the series ends up becoming like 
well, which one are you maxing to clear conversation choices? And that's like the flavor of Shepard that you use to clear that conversation path is like, I get to use this blue option to solve the dispute between Jack and Miranda, or I get to use the red option to solve the dispute between Jack and Miranda. But either way, you are resolving that option. It's just you're picking like which flavor of shepherd like what flavor of response you want for that or you don't have enough points because you have like walked the gray line walked between the paths and now you don't solve that option (laughs) uh and that's that's a different story for a different day but um i think tying everything in to open palm close fist both makes that distinction feel more important because now I don't just, you know, have to walk the walk, but I have to like live with the path that I'm creating and it will affect me in tangible ways. But at the same time, it leads to situations like this where they set up a situation where one side is so obviously the good right thing to choose that any normal like un I just... <laughs> One is the cartoon villain option, and the other one is the one that everyone else would choose. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you have to be like a comic book villain to pick one of these options, the, the closed fist option. And I think that's where this ultimately falls short for me, is that you have to be wanting to be that right. ridiculously cartoonishly evil person to want to pick this. Right. Oh, I can't wait for the Legendary Edition spoiler cast now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so ready for this discourse again. <laughs> um, Andrew, we, we didn't get to you much. I, I'm assuming you you chose not to steal the water dragon's god powers here, right? No, I broke the I broke the water dragon drainer, the draining machine, and uh, <laughs> got out of there. I think I think it it helps that like all of your. So like when you go in there, like this game is old, and so like I it doesn't communicate the horror of what's happening to the water dragon through graphics but i think it does a good job of communicating it through the reaction of your party members right you know who say things like uh gods do silk fox says gods do not bleed and somebody else says that i think sky says it's like the most horrifying thing he's ever seen or something like that you know so so like that if you care at all what they think you know right and i think like if you're talking about how, you know, games influence, you know, how comfortable you are making certain moral decisions, the presence of a companion character definitely impacts that. Like, yeah. if if you think about, like, the, the big choice after the... In the first, like, act of The Outer Worlds where, you know, Parvati is there with you and she has mm-hmm. a very, um, you know, a very defined viewpoint on what you should do and, like it makes it clear that if you make this moral choice in a, in the wrong way, you're turning against this character, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that party-based RPGs can do a good job with when they're handling moral choice is um, showing how ideology affects people in the universe. And I think it does a good job of that here. Yeah. Yeah time for the honorary Baldur's Gate 3 shout out of the week yes. uh, this is making me think about how again in that game like it 
you know, is obviously set up from the beginning that you are a bunch of people who are all working together because you all have the brain parasites. You're all on Twitter, but um, it's that game really is like we're all stuck on Twitter and trying to get off Twitter. The game, <laughs> but um, like I love that in that game you can have a party member like like my Githyanki warrior in Shadowheart. Like Shadowheart's racist as shit to my Githyanki character. And I don't like her because she's freaking fantasy Ashley Williams over here. <laughs> but we've got to begrudgingly work with each other because we both want to get this pair. Or we cannot. Or I could, like, kill her if I wanted to. And that's an option that's available. Um, and I do feel like RPGs are starting to explore that more often. I kind of wish that... I, I, I think Bioware does this more in Dragon Age. Like, this idea of a party that can change and grow and be affected and... Um, that's something that that i mean jade empire like kind of touches on but then doesn't and obviously like mass effect as ken was talking about earlier like the outside of a few like very select moments all the party members are kind of always in line with whatever you think so that is an area i'd like to see bioware maybe explore a little bit more is the idea that like hey maybe if they're going to have options that are evil you should have characters that don't just like blindly follow that evil <laughs> that they can be like, Hey, this is kind of fucked up. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not with you anymore. Uh, and then they can die in the temple of the sacred ashes and come back to life. Mysteriously <laughs> 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 make Ken really happy. Just make Ken love life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Okay. So where were I? We talked so much about that that I lost my my place where we were. The water um, dragon, the water dragon, the water. T- Thank you, Ken, for highlighting it in the Google Doc. <laughs> um, we we all we save the water dragon. We throw a, a staff into the gears. Um, was it a sword for anyone? Was that like weapon specific? I was no, it was a staff. The staff, yeah. yeah. Uh, because I was like, this is the longest cutscene of my life. Because you throw the staff, but you like throw it, and then it has to do like a full rotation for that gear to break. <laughs> and I was like, they couldn't, they couldn't just have it. So when you threw the staff, it would break the thing. We have to see the gear. Tra- I, I, again, there are like small choices in this game where I'm just sitting here like, oh, they really made like a choice about this, did they? Like nobody sat here and was like, this cutscene's like easily 10 seconds longer than it needs to be yeah um but we're we're all we're all done here and now um we've got to go fight master lee uh this is some weird shit this is some (laughs) weird shit let's get into it um so again this this is kind of like a return to chapter four where we are once again fighting up to the palace throne room and we do get to pick a companion but that ends up ultimately not mattering in the well, grand scheme of things hold on I, I, I need to ask did it let you guys pick a companion because it literally would not let me take anybody other than sky and i loved that for me i loved to be with my boyfriend going to fight god <laughs> i just love that <laughs> i i thought for some reason that at the water dragon place you could meet with your companions one last time and do a swap out if you wanted but maybe i'm mistaken well because like it was i was talking to them and but the, the dialogue option was like everybody else at, go do something and me and sky will go fight lee and i was like yes oh yes oh interesting 
I don't yeah. think the, I don't think mine locked me in. I don't even remember who I had for this, honestly. Yeah. Uh. I think I think it might have been Black Whirlwind, because that is who I preferred. To, I liked having him or Wildflower in my party because they're big. Yep. Same. And, yeah. 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 I just brought like a wallflower. <laughs> yeah. See, that's Ken and I are over here like we're bringing our dates onto the the fights, and Kihun and Andrew are like, "Well, we brought the person that knows how to murder people." Exactly. Like, yep. We're here to do one thing: kick ass, chew bubble gum. And I'm all <laughs> out of bubble gum. Yeah, we're we're very pragmatic. Um. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, there's there's also some like mild conversation, but honestly, like I I can't even remember what happens here. They're just I remember stopping and talking, like trying to talk to Silk Fox at multiple times throughout this mission, and every time she'd give me that thing that that y'all were talking about earlier in the, in the the episode of like, oh, we better hurry along. There's kind of a god we need to kill at some point, so we should probably not stop and talk or anything. And I was like, really. Not even just a little, not even just a little comment. Nothing. Okay. Um, but we get to the throne room, and then uh, Master Lee is like, "I'm so powerful. I'm so awesome. I will make these demon statues." And we beat those up. Jade Golem, easy time, no problem. <laughs> uh, and we go up again, and then he's like, "Guess what? Mind powers." <laughs> and, turns us into stone and then we have to go through this bizarre sequence where we're like in the endless ocean of our brain palace whoa whoa, whoa. and well, what what so i gathered based on just how we talk about the season we didn't talk about that this is also the point where we can talk about Dawnstar is lee's daughter really and okay. this is the, yeah okay did so, I miss that revelation? Well, that's the thing. It's like, we talked about it when it would have been... Or, like, I guess, like... So, Sagacious Zoo was to tell us that Lee's daughter is still alive. And right. I thought that I had, like, re- like met the requirements to, like, have that conversation, but he... I didn't, apparently. Um, maybe I was just, like, remembering my original playthrough. Um, and so, the idea here, like, is that you're supposed to be able to kind of, like, throw that in his face. It's supposed to be, like, this meaningful, like, revelation. And maybe it's going to change things. It kind of turns out to be a whole lot of nothing, because like even like even Dawnstar like tries to speak to him like as his daughter and be like, "This, this is fucked up. Stop doing this." And the whole thing is just kind of he's like, oh, "That means nothing to me. I am a god who cares about having a daughter." And it's like, "Okay, that's yeah." It's like it's it's kind of it is like legitimately buried because it is supposed to be like you have to like fully gain Zeus' trust, and he tells you in the midst of the uh, the the Hitman level that that's what happened. Uh, mm. But it ultimately, like, doesn't really mean much, and I think, like, I think it does affect Dawnstar's epilogue. But in terms of meaningful impact to like Lee as a character, kind of doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't even get. I mean, obviously, I didn't get the thing in the the Hitman level. I love that we're calling it that, by the way. It's all shorthand. I can't remember yeah. the proper noun name. Uh, yeah, it, it's the Hitman Dungeon. Um, yeah. But I obviously I didn't get that dialogue prompt at all. But that's that's bizarre that that's even like they bury that in because once once we're in this mind palace, Master Lee like summons a thing. He's like, I'm going to kill all your friends and slowly destroy you, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. And then all your friends kind of Kingdom Hearts into your mind to back you up, and they're like, we're gonna 
like run at these stone soldiers and kill them to help you and stuff and at the very end sagacious zoo shows up and his spirit has been with you the whole time because he's just the mvp the best um and and he like takes out the last thing that you need taken out to to free yourself from the mind palace but uh that's bizarre that like they so you have to clear that stuff for any of that to show up then that's Mm. I, I, I didn't mm. get I didn't get that as well and actually you know at the beginning when I was telling you guys I accidentally chanced upon a spoiler that was the spoiler that I chanced upon at the beginning of the game mm. and right. I was surprised that I like you know at the amount of you know like Dawnstar was practically just like throwing herself at me to be quite honest <laughs> and I was surprised that I didn't even receive that information like maybe it's because I just rejected her towards the end or something but uh, how was that revealed to you guys I'm, I mean I mean like how do you know that she was uh, Sun Lee's uh, daughter because I if... so it's told to you hmm? right it, it, it's told to you through because uh, when there's that point where uh, Sagittarius told us that he was one of the people that was sent to take out Lee's family um, and then there was that whole mess in Tien's Landing where, uh, oh god, what was her name? Uh, Hui, uh, was like, oh, I, I got the, I got the, the girl, or the, the baby where she needed to go, and then, you, like, even back at, uh, at the school, like, outside of the school, Zhu, like, gets weird when he hears Dawnstar's name, and, like, you know, uh-huh. so, so, like, there are all these, like, little hints that are leading towards it, but it ultimately is not explicitly revealed to you unless you get, to, like, a, a certain way through Zoo's arc before he leaves the party and dies, mm. um, which is like again, like it, it is like this big revelation. But ultimately, like you don't really gain anything from knowing it beyond knowing it. Because I also read that like if like towards the end game, uh, uh, what's her name? A Don Star. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Don Star can do something like, oh, I can talk to my father, you know, maybe right. his. And I was like, how do you, how do you even get to the stage where she realizes it? Like, you know, like does she already know that she was the daughter, or like did Zoo tell her? Or I know, yeah, it is. It's just kind of weird that because this is such a huge part of the game, of the story to me, it's it's so weird that it is possible for us to completely miss out that entire segment. Right. Yeah. So like. I don't know. I don't know. I like. I completely like. Did not chance upon that information at all when I was playing the game. Yeah, it, it's one of those other like reasons. To, I I guess it's another thing that incentivizes people to play the game again because like, even now like, hiding like major story revelations is not that common in RPGs anymore. At least I mean like they're like alternate endings and stuff and like you know completionist endings, but like in terms of like. I don't know, like, on, on a more personal level, a lot of those things are not obfuscated that way. Like, they want everyone to know these things and, like, have that, like, you know, the, the most emotionally satisfying version of the story to go along with all these things, so. Hmm. Weird the little same, dated choice, maybe. Yeah, mm. at the same time, like, this, like you said, it ultimately ends up being completely inconsequential because it's, it's just, like, he, regardless of, like, I didn't have that conversation and even still... Uh, Lee, you can like appeal to Lee and be like, you have, you know, you have a family. Aren't you going to like stop in the memory of them? You can still stop and remember, like, you know, your your wife and your daughter died for this, and there are people out there dying for this. And he'll just be like, ha, ah, they were just pawns to me. They were just more tools. That's it. And and 
so like it ends up being completely inconsequential in, in the end of, in the scheme of things so right I, I don't know andrew did you like did you actually stumble upon this in your playthrough like i'm i'm curious now like how common it is to actually get that scene where you find that out I missed it, and I was playing as Wu, the Lotus Blossom, uh, one of the female, one of the female characters, and so I thought that those hints about the daughter that Sagacious Zoo had, you know, um, snuck out in the night. Oh. I thought that I thought that was a reference to my character that had not paid off. So it is interesting to find mm. out that no, it was about uh, it was about Dawnstar all along. And maybe, like, in the grand scheme of things, that is more meaningful to her than it is anybody else. Because, like, half of her arc is, like, that she was, like, abandoned as a baby. And, like, she doesn't know, like, where she came from. She, like, she... And, and again, it, it does affect her epilogue, which we can get into in a little bit. But, um... In the grand scheme of, like, the villain, it... You know, this ostensibly humanizing moment for him just kind of goes nowhere. So. Yeah. Still yeah. so reflecting on how Dawnstar's arc was just so cookie cutter that i didn't even care about it that much <laughs> like, she was like i i have mystical spirit powers and i was abandoned as a child i have no parents and i'm like okay whatever who cares where's the wife guy at do the poor thing again <laughs> my mm. wife yeah yeah like she's, mm. she's generally just a really boring character she's like she's so vanilla extremely yeah, vanilla and, yeah mm. <laughs> maybe now i'm thinking about it like she didn't have to be like that. That's maybe that's like something I'm coming to. Is like by intentionally burying like parts of her story, like and like letting her instead of letting her have like this very active role in what's going on. She, they, mm. Maybe that's like a, just a, a signal of like an improvement in the way that Bioware has like kind of gated content over the years. Like they mm-hmm. do like they make you dig for like crucial plot details on characters that you might not immediately you know care about and i think like that's something that you have to be very careful about if you've got like this, this game with like huge cast that requires like a level of effort of like going to act like going to speak to somebody and like going through all the dialogue things like when you don't put all of the like the characterization and on the main path like you run like you run the risk of a character being not very interesting to people when they don't have to be like there is like maybe like in the grand scheme of things the actual Dawnstar story doesn't add up to much and i don't know i don't know that like if it had been on the main path that it would have changed much of our view of her here but you know like give your characters the opportunity to be interesting not don't like go out of your way to obfuscate who they are what their stories are especially you know that's not like again like maybe by now they've gotten that because they know they understand why people gravitate towards characters more now than they did 16 years ago Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Yeah, that is like I'm. I, I've been sitting here struggling to think if I can like come up with an example of a similar character revelation being hidden, and the most, the closest I can get is finding Liara's, whatever you want to call it. Like they they colloquially refer to her as as Liara's father, but like the the Asari yeah. that um, paired with Benezia uh, for Liara. And like that's something that I didn't naturally stumble across in my playthrough, and that's something that you'd have to like actively seek out. I feel, right. um, so I don't know. I, but and but, even that like is relatively like 
separate like, from Liara's arc in that game. Like, yeah, it's not like, like Liara's quote unquote father is actually like Saren or whatever. You right. Know? Yeah. And I it's, think it's like, oh, sorry, you got. Oh, I was gonna say that like the weird thing about this is that like if you play Bioware games, you're used to the idea that like if a character has something that like about them that I can find out, they're going to do the thing where it's like, Oh, but I'm not ready to talk about that yet. And Mm. like to have this buried, not just in dialogue, but buried in the dialogue of another character that like, you have to, you have to talk to sagacious zoo to find out something about Donstar is like a weird move that sort of obfuscates that there is anything there to begin with. Like, are you just supposed to intuit that like, Oh, he acted weird when he talked about Dawnstar. I should probably be splitting time between Sagacious Zoo and Dawnstar throughout the course of just chapters one through three, because it also happens like relatively quick if you're just right. playing the main story. Right. So like you you really have to be gunning for it in a way that I think it's hard to stumble upon naturally. Right. It it yeah. almost requires like the second playthrough, like the understanding that like how you should be dividing up your time, which comes from repeat playthroughs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The size of your party is such a red herring once you realize the structure of this game. Because, mm-hmm. like, getting that big of a party after, like, like chapter two, you have this gigantic party. And then it's like, you would assume, like, I'm going to have a lot of time to get to know these characters. And it's like, nope, you have to rush all of that in by the end of chapter three, or else, like, you have, like missed out on this stuff it like is such a weird mm. yeah yeah just a red herring that like is would convince you that the game is much longer than it is just right. on the on the size of that party the structure of the game doesn't fit the amount of ideas they had it feels right yeah, yeah. i feel like that's a good way to sum this this whole bit up because we've got to eventually break free of our mind palace <laughs> and kick <laughs> master lee's ass um uh yeah so i mean again i so actually this was i think one of maybe three times i died in this game Mm -hmm. um once i once i switched back to like uh easy difficulty because i was just getting sick of certain fights in this game so uh this this was like one of the times that i died in this game uh and I gotta admit, this is like maybe one of the cooler boss fights that I've seen yep. in a Bioware game. Period. Yep. Like the the whole first of all context here. I know that at some point in this game they teach you that by hitting a button on your controller you can slow down time. At mm. some point while playing this game, I completely forgot about that mechanic. I I did not realize that we have that. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. at some point I was just like, there's so many other things that I'm thinking about, like, oh, the the rock, paper, scissors of light versus heavy and using different forms, like my spirit thief to recover key and then like using my weapon, which takes up focus and then using my magic powers or my jade golem form. Like there's so much other stuff going on in combat that I just completely forgot about the slow down time mechanic right. and so to not only have that come back but to have it turn into a situation where you are fighting master lee and he can use this against you is 
awesome like yep. that was the coolest maybe one of the coolest parts of this game in general for me like i would put it up there with one of my favorite boss fights ever which is the final boss of transistor it was where, i had thought of the same thing too yeah yeah where you go into that boss fight and like up to that point you're kind of used to how transistor plays and, and how it plays out and then the second the other person moves and you realize they move the same way you do and mm. thus have all the advantages that you have it's like oh my god this is a yep. different fight entirely mm. it almost like well the one thing about that was like it did make this fight more challenging to me in one way because like the, when you slow down time that uses focus which is what you also use to use weapon styles mm-hmm. and weapon styles have been my primary means of fighting throughout the whole game so I was like ah oh, this is like a whole other layer of like trying to uh, manage all the things that I've got going on for me um, it also made me wonder like how would maybe like a, a competitive mode in Jada Pine ever worked if like you have like two people with like different builds that they could have used all these systems together and like had a fight like basically similar to how you fight Lee and um because that, that is like a that an image of that flashed into my head as soon as I started fighting Lee and saw that he fought the same way that we did um it's just like oh that would have been cool but like maybe that would have been far beyond like what Bioware could have done at the time in 2005 on the original Xbox can I'm yeah. just gonna tell you right now if that's something that appeals to you at all? It exists, and it's a it's a game called uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Two Jedi Outcast, and its sequel uh, Jedi Academy. The multiplayer in that game was basically like, what if Jade Empire was both a better hand to hand combat game, but with lightsabers, and like if you could play multiplayer in it. And the multiplayer for those games was just at, like the one-on-one lightsaber duels in those games were just absolutely incredible. Like, hmm. I I have not played anything like them since. I feel like most most one-on-one combat games, even stuff like Dark Souls PvP and stuff like that, is still trying to chase what that was. Hmm. Uh, Shoutouts to that scene way back in the day. Um, but yeah, Master Lee, like in- incredible fight. And so like the first time I fought him. I tried to fight him the honorable way. I was using all my stances. This is again like I'm glad we mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Like the having the controller and only four stances felt really limiting here because mm. you have to switch stances against him and you have to switch around a lot of stances. So like I have legendary strike, which is my kind of bread and butter basic combo that does you know hand to hand damage. Um, I've got my weapon, which obviously is my weapon damage. I've got my fire ability, which, you know, lets me use fire. And then uh, spirit thief, which is, you know, I need to recover my key so I can heal or so I can, you know, like use more fire or whatever. Honestly, like the end of the fight was me having this very careful back and forth where I was reading his moves and then using spirit thief, which is slower. It's kind of a slow slow stance but i was letting me recover enough to heal and stay alive because he also like just whomps you for a lot of damage i feel um and i like i lost to him with like barely any health left on his bar i was so frustrated that when i rebooted the fight i was like okay jay golem time <laughs> and, <laughs> and jade golem whomped him i mean he he put up a fight like that was maybe the scarier part was when i hit him with jay golem I was like, oh, he's still standing. And didn't oh, immediately shit. win. <laughs> yeah, like, uh-oh. And, but trust me, about five or six more axe hits, and, and they they all go down. <laughs> mm. Everyone goes down 
against Jay Jay Golem. But uh, yeah, Kihun, our, our resident, our 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 gamer, our <laughs> our master of the martial arts. What did what did you think of of Master Lee, the the big bad final boss fight? I mean, uh, like Ken, right? Who didn't really much like who didn't really have much of a issue in you know combating him it's I, I, I don't have that much of an issue with him as well although I do mm. think that this is also one of the better fights in the game but it, it is not super challenging um, but it is good I, I, I do like the whole idea of you know him slowing down my my combat and and really just attacking me I thought that was actually pretty cool and mm-hmm. yeah and I really really couldn't remember that we can slow down our fights as well um, mm. you know knowing knowing that right now really does add an additional dimension to, to to the combat itself it really shows that he is really our instructor and he is really someone who have you know it really go it really boils down to the fact that he has really been the guy who, who taught you everything almost everything you know about you know combat mm-hmm. and I think when it comes to the whole, uh, like, like the fight itself, um, yeah, um, I was a li- at first I was a little bit thrown off by the whole like slowing down time mechanic, but it wasn't something that was too difficult to get around. You you I just have to, I just have to keep spamming the the dodge button and stuff, which um it it worked to my favor. Like whenever. I find myself like you know, uh, like you know, getting slowed down. I just have to like okay, dodge, 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 and ninety percent of the mm. time it works. So that was how I actually finished the finish finish the fight. Actually, um, yeah, a lot of dodging, like way too much dodging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andrew, did you dig this fight? No, uh, I just won Jay Golem and took him out pretty quick. <laughs> I think I might have died once before that, but Jade Golem. You know, finds a way. Jade Golem is the answer. Eric, you're a bad influence. Right. <laughs> How am I bad? He was. We literally we were DMing about something separate the other night, and and I was like, we we ended up shooting the shit a bit about Jade Empire, and I was like, Jade Golem though, and he was like, yeah. And he <laughs> Andrew knew about Jade Golem coming to this. Great minds think That's alike. Right. <laughs> That's right. The game, the game gives it to you. It's not like I put in a cheat code. They literally, as part of the story, say, please use this form. And I was like, okay, why not? And then I used it, and it was good, so I kept using it. That's right. That's what I did, too. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't work. There's, there's, It doesn't work against uh, ghost enemies, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, there are totally times where it does not work, and you have to use different abilities. See, see Ken, Ken right now... He's he's the NASCAR driver who gets to the finish line in a three wheeled car and is complaining about everyone else who who raced with four wheels. Exactly. Like, there there was nothing saying you had to use only three wheels. You can use that fourth wheel. They give it to you. It's optional. Right. You don't have to use it, but every everyone has the option of using the fourth wheel. How frequently does that happen? Do people only drive in free th- with three wheels in NASCAR? Well, that's why this is so alarming to me, Ken. Like they give you the wheels that you need. Why are you Why are you not using that wheel? Exactly. There's no rules that says a dog can't play basketball. Exactly. Yeah. It's the, I wonder. Jade Golem is the airbud of uh, Jade Empire. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
air golem <laughs> that's how that's how the game ends is uh is jade golem dunks that's that's the end exactly. of this game uh no the actual end of this game well is... one of the endings because we actually should probably touch on the one that none of us did first yeah mm. we want to do that one for well so we well, take it, out, it was we take out lee i mean that's across well, the board I, i'm right? thinking i'm thinking about no that was a different one but kind of skipped over so wait really there's a, there's a point before the fight where lee has a proposal basically that he's like oh i'm doing like you know with this power i'm doing so so much good if like we didn't fight right now i could just continue to be you know the emperor here and the jade empire would thrive and you would be known as a hero who helped me and so with doing that you totally circumvent the fight and it flashes forward to a like a uh, a scene where there's like a statue of our character that they look kind of like a lotus assassin now and like the implication is that we basically became one of Lee's lackeys and yeah uh huh that's, that's not even that like can... it's not even close fist that's just like a what if path basically basically yeah it weird like, yeah it's weird i I don't know how you get to the end of that game and you're like, okay, cool, I'm just gonna give up. It's, so th- it's, that is one of those things where it feels like an alternate ending, kind of like a what, like you said, a what if scenario. It's a weird ending too, because like in the open palm ending, you are killing this dude, and in the closed fist, you are accepting being like a lower rung on the totem pole. You know what I mean? Like when we were at the Lotus Assassin headquarters, all of them were like strivers that were trying to take out the people ahead of them. You know. But then if you become close fist, you are accepting your role in the hierarchy, which doesn't seem super close fist. Well, I don't think it's technically considered, like, a close fist. Because, like, basically, like, beyond doing this ending, like, the ending to, like, regardless of your morality, is basically the same. You just, you just fight Lee, and then everyone's kind of slots in, depending on what, what, you know, whatever they're doing. But this is, like, a weird, like, third option that is... The justifications for it never really land, and I, so that's what, what makes it feel like almost like a bad end, like almost a uh, sort of uh, I don't know, like it, it's a very strange. I other games have done this too, like Persona Five Royal has one of these uh, near the end of that where you can like choose to make a decision that is a little nonsensical, but right. or like Mass Effect Three even with like the refusal ending, kind of like stop like stop fighting to like you know give in to like the system. It's weird. Other other ways, otherwise, if if we don't take the the weird what if Persona Five Royal option here, we can do the uh, the normal option, which is to kick Master Lee's ass, and then get an ending depending on whether we are closed fist and have uh, decided to eat the water dragon, hmm. or uh, or we are open palm and have decided to. F- to free the water dragon and allow it to be reborn. Um, and, and so here's, here's maybe another qualm that I have real quick. Um, so they, they spend that whole time, you know, leading up to the water dragon choice being like, well, you know, maybe the Jade empire is going to fall, you know, maybe that's the way of nature and all that. In my ending for Open Palm, 
uh you know silk fox becomes the next emperor and all that and since i romance silk fox it's like oh the the hero Wu uh stayed by silk fox's side and they became they ruled over the jade empire in a time of prosperity and stuff like that i was sitting there reading it and i was like wait a minute i thought like shit was gonna get bad if we let the water dragon rebirth happen and that you know there might have to be significant changes and instead it's like oh no it's it's all good everything's hunky-dory mm. everything's great don't worry about it mm. uh and in fact that's kind of how most of the endings were like they were just kind of like everything turned out great everyone's fine <laughs> there were no consequences for your actions and like not not saying that i wanted there to be like some terrible twist at the end but i did want some at least acknowledgement of hey maybe the jade, jade empire was supposed to fall maybe the drought was intentional maybe for the cycle of this world to continue unabated some things are going to have to change and at the end it was like nothing changed mm, no mm, mm. no that's interesting mm. um I, I don't know can can tell me a little bit about so you had a, a very sky specific epilogue here and i'd right. like to hear about it so going the open palm uh way and uh being in the romance it was what my character ended up doing is that like sky b- became like the replacement for gal the greater and like kind of hmm. you know made his organization respectable like not involving in like slave trading and awful shit um and so the idea was that like he and i just kind of like were roguish companions that like were drifting throughout the jade empire just doing hood rat shit and that was fine like i mean it was the thing that like i guess in the grand scheme of, like, the status of the Jade Empire, I don't feel like the epilogues do much to kind of, like... Like like you said, like, really bring the weight home of a lot of that... A lot of the choices that we made. But just, like... I, I, I posted it in the chat. Uh, there's, like, a long list of epilogues that can vary pretty greatly for some characters. I mean, some of them are fairly, like... Like, Black World and Impact Ho, like, have exactly one, because they can only be alive under one mm-hmm. set of circumstances. But, like... Dawnstar, Silk Fox, Sky, you know, based on, like, various factors, can have, can be in very different places. And I thought that, and, you know, it also depending on whether your characters win them or not. Um, so, like, on, like, on personal levels, I feel like the consequence of what things we had done are there, but in terms of, like, I, I don't feel like even if I am, like, this awful god closed fifth person, like, that much really changes in terms of, like, the, the structures of this universe. Mm. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. I, I, I think you guys make, like, a really good point because the the whole idea that... I mean, the, 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 re, the whole idea behind this whole shitstorm that's happening in the first place was because at least the Emperor, the original Emperor and Sun Li were desperate enough to, to kind of want to tap on the water dragon's uh, yeah. power to save uh, the, the, the country and, and, and save the empire. And, and I think they, the, what was interesting is that, you know, they, they kind of had good intentions at the, at, at, in the first place. And I guess they kind of got carried away by this whole idea that, you know, they, they have to kind of misuse a so-called, like, a mythical creature's power to save their empire. Like it is, it is a really difficult decision. Really, I mean, mm. between like letting a whole nation of people die versus 
um, you know, realizing that there is a way to do this and that's to steal a god's power. I think that is that is really compelling. And the fact that you kind of, you know, can settle for, you know, defeating the emperor and still let the water dragon go, you know, like leave in peace, so to speak. Um and still not have any major th- con- uh, consequences. It's yeah, it is kind of jarring, and I and I have to say that I didn't really consider that when I was playing that. But now that you pointed out, it's yeah, kind of weird. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I'm glad you posted these because some of these are these epilogue endings are really interesting. Like Sky has some very dark endings yeah. in some of these, especially if you go the closed fist route. Even the even the closed fist romance is really like dark um the the one i will say most of these are pretty dark but i really like silk fox's closed fist because it ends up in a situation where um if you are a female character who's closed fist and romance silk fox um it's implied that both of you assume the mantle of silk fox and like act throughout the empire and every everyone starts to fear silk fox because um let me find the the dialogue here um Um, despite the power they could command their enemies were often more afraid of the shadowy silk fox that could now somehow be in two places at once even at the even at the height of their power they made time for such games that both enjoyed um like that's that makes me want to do that route now because that sounds great because as much as i like um you know her staying true to being an empress for the good of the the country and all that and for creating a good nation and all that i like the idea of that two silk foxes sneaking out in the night to do all kinds of shenanigans against their enemies and all that that sounds great i like that a lot um also i i andrew Oh, sorry. Keep oh, going. sorry, sorry. Um, I just want to point out that the ending scene was unbelievable. There was there was the ending scene where you you kind of you know you you you, you defeated Sunly and then everybody you 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 leave the gates and everybody was there and waiting for you and just cheers for you. And I was like, gosh, like in real life, this would never happen. Like you just freaking killed mm. the emperor. Nobody would just be waiting there and cheering for you as you killed the emperor. Like, <laughs> like. The thing it made me think of was, and, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, and this maybe speaks to my own media literacy background, but it reminded me almost one-to-one of the ending of Mulan, where mm. Mulan walks out of the castle and the entire crowd is there to like cheer her on for having won the battle and all that. And I was like, did they watch Mulan before they wrote this scene? Is this the, <laughs> the animated one or the, the live-action one? The, the animated one uh, but I, I feel that at least for that like everybody can see who you're fighting against like it was very obvious that at least for Mulan like who the invaders are and you're fighting against them and, and Mulan is fighting right. against them but in this case it's like I would think that most people wouldn't know that the emperor was an asshole who basically trapped and siphoned uh, a goddess um, powers like that I don't think that is common knowledge. And for, for you to come out and, you know, like, you know, hey, I've just killed the emperor. And for people to cheer for you uh-huh. because of that, that's just kind of screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's it for me. Yeah. 
Uh, did they ever like? Did they ever address how much time there was between your death and your resurrection? Because they like kind of like vaguely gesture at it at some points, but I forgot if they ever give you like a strong idea for how long your character has been dead and how long well, uh, Lee has been emperor. There, there's a scene where like Domstar is told by the water dragon that like oh, they need, all need to go to Dirge, and they're in the midst of that. They're talking about having just escaped the. Uh, like escaped Lee and all his like forces, so not long, I would guess, like a day, maybe. That's the other weird part of this for me is how much, like, like in the span of maybe let's say a week. Let's be generous and say a week. You know, including that travel. There might be travel time and stuff like that. Uh, the emperor has been killed twice by the same person <laughs> and, the, mm. and this person is now apparently a hero and also by the way uh giant mechanical jade golems exist <laughs> yeah which i don't think was a thing that the populace was totally aware of at all times but they were also totally cool with like toad demons so i don't know if that would like phase them but uh yeah like the emperor has died twice in the span of a week at the hands of the same person who by the way also died and then came back from the dead and also like released the soul of the third brother from a living piece of armor and everyone's like yeah cool okay i'm just i'm gonna be over here <laughs> i'm gonna be working at the market now i guess oh mm. jade empire weird place to live wacky times uh andrew yes what, what was your ending like i for, I, I didn't ask if you romanced anyone in your playthrough no i was i was platonic but that still ended up with me with um silk fox as <laughs> a like advisor to her uh mm. it was it it was like the same ending of like you remain with silk fox at her side but it was, you know, instead of romantic, it was like you were there to help her oversee the Empire. Um, and I don't remember really what happened to anybody else. I know Hinpeck Ho went back to his wife, which is what I... I that was the storyline I was invested in. <laughs> yeah, he, he has a great bit about, like, a poisoned bun or something. Right. And like, yeah. Um, I remember his Black Whirlwind accidentally travels around the world i think was his story like mm. they say he leaves for the east to to go find stronger enemies and then everyone is surprised when he appears from the west one day and nobody really knows what happened and he doesn't either <laughs> he's just like i don't know man i'm here like i love that black whirlwind just accidentally discovers that the the earth is a globe that's great <laughs> it's a good storyline uh and then he gets bored and goes north. <laughs> but, um, and then Kang, like, Kang fakes their own death, but then, like, sends the, the player a bunch of, like, inventions and stuff. That was, that was a weird epilogue. I didn't get right. A lot of them just kind of seemed like either comedic relief, because let's be honest, like, a lot of these characters were definitely just, like, right oh that wacky fun character that's i mean not that that's necessarily a bad thing like i think that worked to a lot of these characters favors but they weren't necessarily like characters that were going to have these deep you know radically different endings uh but then also 
uh, there is a difference with, and I'm looking for it right now, with Wildflower, depending on uh, whether we were open, palm or closed fist. Um, yeah, the, the closed fist endings for, for Wildflower are really, really sad. <laughs> like, mm. it's maybe the one point where you're like, this is cartoonishly evil in a way that is just bizarre, but... Um, that's Jade Empire. We wow. did it. <laughs> we got there. Folks, I'm going to send it around the table one more time, but I just want to, like, my closing thought on Jade Empire was uh, it was definitely messy. It was definitely kind of all over the place at times and, and definitely a product of its time, both in, I, I'd say, some of its writing, although not all of it was egregious as i was expecting it to be and it did have some really good moments for some reason the the bandit the bandit chief lady in tn's landing that you have to resolve the romantic entanglement for and then also play matchmaker for like still sticks out to me it's just a really great little bit of game that was in this um so like it weirdly structured definitely of its time in terms of design and stuff weirdly feels like a mod for kotor at times but Mm. i ended up enjoying this like Mm. i ultimately came out of this being like i if they remastered this tomorrow i might play through it again um Mm. and i i honestly gotta tell you i did not expect that because i normally when a game is so aged i'm just like ugh. this and there are definitely times when i was playing this where i was like ugh. but <laughs> uh overall I, I feel like i enjoyed it more than i expected to and even through all the cheesiness the campiness the um just general like goofiness of this game uh there is there's there's stuff here that that's worth looking at and and grasping onto uh even if it's just you know it informs better how bioware grew as a studio over time but ken how did you feel by the end of jade empire how do you feel about this game the interesting thing is like we were just talking about like how the game like really lends itself to replay and i think like if i were to replay it again after we've done this show after we played through it once and just like going in with a better understanding of its structure and like its world and its characters, I feel like I would be down to, like, play it again and enjoy it more the second time. Um, mm. That being said, like, I I just, by the end, I felt like a lot of it was just very underserved. Like, I don't, because of all the, the very problematic, like, real-world inspirations that are not actually what these things are, like, the, mm-hmm. the not-China that is Jade Empire, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, like, th- those aren't necessarily the things that I grasp onto that I feel like are underserved, but I feel like these characters were and that is largely due to the structure of the game. Like, that does not... Like, has more... Like we said, has more ideas than it can really support in one playthrough. And in that... In that case, like, I feel like a sequel would have been really good. Like, not not necessarily, like, a, um... Like, not, like, expanding more into the world and, like, seeing more, but just, like, something that was very specifically about, like, this cast again. Would have been great maybe, like, ten years ago. I don't think that Bioware needs to come back to these games like the studio that is bioware needs to be the one that comes back to this game i think it needs to be like it needs to be like an eastern studio it needs to be people with like an actual like cultural understanding of like what they're doing and not like don't make a whole like fake language written by a white guy like don't like there are things about this that I, about jane and that i don't think are worth revisiting because 
we like we are very much more equipped now to understand the ways in which this game was not not okay like not like not being handled by the people that should have handled it um but you know it, it still shines like in the like there are still points where like, you could tell that like there was a lot of heart put into this um but I, I, I don't think that, like, Jade Empire is something that they can revisit in 2021. I think it needed to have been, maybe... Like, they were in the middle of, like, making Dragon Age and Mass Effect. So, like, there maybe wasn't an opportunity at the... Like, the time when I think it would have been most appropriate for us to have a Jade Empire sequel has, like, come and gone, I think. Like, I think, like, the window has passed. Mm. Um, which is, you know, it, it's sad, but, like... Sometimes you gotta, like, recognize when something was maybe not kosher like it's not it's like the word that comes like it's, it's like there's like i don't know like that, that's kind of like what i get to is like the optics of something like jade empire do not work now in the way mm-hmm. that it, they might have gotten away with mm-hmm. back then mm-hmm. which i mean they did they certainly did like, i think there's, there's still like a sentiment around a lot of people that are like oh we we didn't we never got a sequel to jade empire that's something we, like maybe we don't yeah. maybe we don't need a sequel to jade empire mm-hmm Kihun, where where are you at now that we're we're through Jade Empire? How do you feel about the game? I honestly like I, I did enjoy myself playing the game. Um I I find that like Ken said, a, a lot of things uh culturally um it was a bit dated. Um and I think that on on the contrary though, I would love to see a remake of this. Probably not by the same mm. studio, but probably by right. you know you know, other people of color who, who op, you know, who, who, who does have, like, uh, a bit more of uh, insight or, or, right. or into, into how to make this work. Because I do think mm-hmm. that there are some things about Jade Empire that does work, actually. Um, when, when uh, you know, when, when like, like, for instance, the, 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 the Jade Empire itself, I think it's a really gorgeous place. And mm-hmm. certain things like you know the, the the stories that they tell, they are really really um like the side quests are really really funny, and even the main storyline itself like at 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 its core it is not a bad story, I just think that it mm. is not told in a way that is, um, I just think that it's not told in a way that does it a lot of justice. But, right. you know, at the end of the day, this is a Bioware game. And generally, I do like Bioware games. I think that it has a very Bioware rhythm to it. Like, aside from all the story and all the, all the weird companions, and aside from Dawnstar, it is not... I mean, I had, I had a lot of fun, uh, you know, just, just you know, uh, fighting and grinding and, you know, fighting and, 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 and exploring the world, so... Yeah, if they do have a if they do have a remake, I'll probably get it. Yeah, probably I'll probably just want to see you know how 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 they're going to do the remake if they do have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Andrew, how about you? Uh, it made me hungry. I think to play other Bioware games. You know, it, it it's mm. like in in some ways this I I really love Kotor and in, I like the combat in this game like a ton more than I like KOTOR's, you know, possible sort of turn-based combat. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 
I think during this game, it really hit its stride for me in Chapter 3 when you're in the Imperial City and then when you're in the Lotus Assassin's hideout. Um, and so I just felt a little sad, I guess, that there wasn't more like that. Like, that is the, right. you know, that's the peak of this game doing that sort of, like, format of, uh, you know, RPG structure. And so I, I just am hungry for more of that. So I'm excited to play, um, you know, Mass Effect, the whole Mass Effect trilogy when that remaster comes out. Um, yeah. And I probably mm-hmm. will play uh, KOTOR 2 some, at some point this year as well. So, uh, yeah, it, it scratched an itch for me more than it was like a f- fulfilling experience on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with it. I'm interested in your KOTOR 2 takes because that's that one's an Obsidian game, not a Bioware game. And I've always wanted, like, that one's always been on my backlog. It's like, I want to see what Obsidian does with that sort of structure in, right. in like, a Bioware-type world uh, with, with Light Side, Dark Side and all that. Um, I'm, I'm, and, and yeah. You will say something, Keith? Oh, no, no, no. I just want to say that I'm a huge Obsidian fan and whatever they do, I think is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kihun, if we if we do a Fallout, if I can finally talk Ken into a Fallout New Vegas <laughs> season, I did not know you were a Fallout New Vegas I sh- fan. I love this New is, Vegas. Like I, I honestly think it changes everything. I honestly think that it's it's one of the best games ever. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I've I've been revisiting it since like obviously since that H bomber guy video yeah. came out everyone i feel kind of suddenly got the itch to play new vegas again and yeah it's yeah it's better than i remember it yeah. <laughs> um but just to to jump off something you said uh Ki-hoon, like the idea of a different studio tackling this i was thinking about this the other day because we've had such an influx of like single player prestige games coming out of like um like china especially like the um like dyson sphere just came out of there um there's the the wukong game that has been really popular uh in trailers and stuff and uh there was another one that was topping the charts recently that was like an action rpg i can't remember the name genshin Genshin impact not genshin impact um but it was it was like a, it was like a weird top-down action RPG, al- almost Diablo-y from what I could tell, but uh, I wasn't really sure. Mm. Uh, but it was like sitting at the top of Steam's global sellers the other day, and I was like, oh hey, look at that. Um, and I think the more that we see stuff like that, combined with the idea that places like Larian and spiders are doing their own kind of takes on bioware formula games with baldur's gate 3 and greedfall like the idea that one of those studios could do a sort of jade empire type game and do it again you know with more of that informed history with more of that informed background and still capture a lot of that style a lot of the the martial arts and the the wonder without it feeling so i guess goofy at times like we we barely even talked about the the weird cameo that's in this game of the uh conqueror guy who's actually like a total failure and i only remembered him because i was looking at these epilogues and i was like who is this character at the end of the epilogue that i don't remember at all i was like oh that's that one 
dude that can show up in a side quest that you have to like tell off and he's basically like a total failure of a like foreigner guy and stuff like that and like i would love to see a studio just take this idea and run with it and and see what they could do with this sort of setting like a martial arts rpg with this sort of like fantasy story going on it could be really impressive i think i i would love to see something like that yeah uh but yeah jade empire you know it's it is a thing it exists and we've covered it on normandy fm we're done that's it Ooh. wow that is <laughs> oh the end of a, a short season but it, it still feels long just in the fact that we got a whole game out <laughs> through all of it as always we are normandy fm we are a retrospective podcast some quick housekeeping to catch up on for those of you who did not catch the episodes where we laid this out previously uh starting next week Hmm. ken and i will be doing a couple of interim episodes as we ramp up to the last of us because ken i gotta start playing the last of us i haven't even started playing it yet i gotta start reading a book because uh in time we will be doing uh next week We'll be doing Paragon Lost, which will be the the Mass Effect James Vega movie. <laughs> Very much looking forward to talking about that. Uh, we'll also be doing Dragon Age Dawn of the Seeker the week after that. And then Mass Effect Andromeda Annihilation uh, after that, which is the book mm-hmm. about the Quarian arc. So we'll be doing mm-hmm. a couple filler, filler things to well, kind of touch and- on some external media. Right. And we also, like, this has happened since that episode because jade empire ended up being like about an episode shorter than we expected it to be to fill in some time we're also going to be looking at mass effect foundation which is a series of comics that has like that's dedicated to like all the original trilogy squad mates so yes thank you for reminding me of that we've got to we got to update our internal slack so we have all this documented somewhere uh because we're we're super bad about pinning things lately (laughs) behind the scenes um but yes we will be laying that schedule out that's the rough schedule for right now we also may or may not have a week's break somewhere in there we are trying to figure that out as well so we will have more concrete plans uh going up at some point um and then we will be heading into the last of us but as always we are normandy fm we have a patreon patreon.com slash normandy fm if you are a backer on the patreon at any tier you get into our backer discord where we hang out we talk we uh promo each other's stuff we just post memes sometimes it's a good time i recommend you get in there if you back at any level on the discord you will get access and if you back at a certain level, you can listen to the episodes as soon as they're done being edited by Ken. And if you back at an even higher level, you get a shout out every week on the podcast. This week, that list is Kevin Kulikowski, Chris Johns, Alice Hawk, Colin, Just Colin, Just, Zach Mickle, The Wedge of Destiny, Will Bang, okay, and Mila Hyde. Thank you so much for joining on. We just, that's a newcomer right there. We got a new backer at that level. So nice to have you. I hope I got that right. If I get it wrong, please email me, like poke me, you know, let me know. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. Love to see new new patrons in here and in the Discord and everywhere else. Andrew, first off, thank you so much for coming back on. Where can the folks find your work? 
Well, thank you for having me, Eric. I am on Twitter, at Funnel Chest. Funnel, as in the thing you use to pour uh, water into a bottle. Uh, Funnel Chest 94. Um, and if you were at all interested in some of the conversation that we had about, you know, how developers make it interesting to, you know, choose good and evil in RPGs, I have a feature about that going up at GameSpot at some point in the near future. So look out for that. Hey. Ooh. Interesting. The tease of content. That's right. Uh, also, we got a shout out. Kihun, thank you so much for being our third chair on this season. It has been an absolute joy. It's been fun. Yeah, uh, it's been real fun. This is the best first run of a new program <laughs> we've ever had. Um, and uh, you have set a high standard for those Aww. who come after you. <laughs> Kihun, one last time for the folks at home, where can they find your work? Um, I'm on Twitter at Crapstacular, which is like C-R-A-P-S-T-U-C-A-L-A-R Oh, I can't remember how to spell my own Twitter name. But yeah, you will find me there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we'll boost it on Yeah, the um, and, and probably like freelancing, um, I hope, at more places in the upcoming months. Uh, mm-hmm. e- nothing interesting as of yet. Um, no, I have a, I, I think I have a Vice piece coming up, which is really cool. It's my first time writing for Vice. Yes. Yeah, mm. that's it. Yeah, uh, I almost said at US Gamer, and I just stopped myself. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> rest in peace. Pour one out. Yeah. Oh, nothing gold can stay. <laughs> um, so, oh, I, I'm so happy. This has been such a wonderful time, folks. We will see you next time when we are on to new and different things. For now, for Andrew, for Kihun, for Ken, for myself. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Normandy FM.